Well, I, I've got a, a particular message today that I want to bring. It's a new word. It's not part of our Exodus series. Um, I wanted just to break in at this point because I had a word that was, that was very much bubbling on my heart. Um, and it was a word that was conceived quite a few months ago when I was with Matt in Harrogate in Yorkshire up for the New Wine Leaders Conference. And as part of that conference, somebody brought a prophetic word which was just prepare the nets. And I think it might have just been for me, even though there was uh, about 1,700 leaders or something there. I think that one was for me because, you know, when you, you hear a phrase and you think, goodness, there's so much in that phrase. It, it just hit me really hard. It was like it was in light for me. And so I went off and, and, and started digging around. What do you mean by this word? Because I know that was, that was for me and my congregation. Um, and as I started digging around in it, as I started praying, as I started asking God what he wanted to say through that word, it sort of expanded, um, and the result of which is what I'm sharing this morning. But I really believe this is a word for us, prepare the nets. As I was there, when I first heard it, and I, I was in the worship, what, what stirred on my heart was a desire to continue to cultivate honour and cooperation between the churches in the town, and a sense that the Holy Spirit wanted to prepare us for a work in the next season. So that's what I want to share about this morning. So for those of you who like that title to pin your thinking on, I've called this talk, It's Time to Prepare the Nets. God has brought a few scriptures to the fore which I want to teach from. Um, mainly the accounts of the miraculous catches in the Gospels. And I, I think most of us know those stories, but if you don't know the stories, we're going to read one of them in a minute. But there's a number of times in the Gospels where Jesus asks the disciples to, to go out and to throw their nets in a particular way. On one time, it, they were fishing on one side, he said, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. They threw the nets on the other side of the boat, and all of a sudden they had this massive catch of fish, which was a supernaturally big catch of fish. And the fishermen knew that, that this was an extraordinary catch because they had that experience. Uh, there was a time when they were first called, which we're going to look at, where Jesus says, throw your nets over the boat. Uh, push out into the water, throw your nets. They have a, a huge catch of fish. They struggle to bring it in. Um, and then he says, right, I'm going to make you fishes of men. And then there's another time after the resurrection where they're going back to fishing because they're not quite sure what else to do, I think, at this point. So they go out fishing uh, and there's somebody on the shore and he calls out, have you caught anything? And they say no. And then he says, try and throw your nets in now. And he, they throw the nets in. They have this enormous catch of fish and immediately they know it's Jesus. Because this is one of his signature things that he seems to do. He seems to get them to do this, to try and get through to them, I believe, a message. And as soon as they do that, John says, it's the Lord. Peter throws off his coat, dives in, swims to find Jesus, because he wants to be where Jesus is. So you see this a lot in the Gospels. This is not just one account, there are many accounts. So let's read one of them. Turn to Luke and chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 1 to 11. I'm going to read in the New Living Translation so you can just close your eyes and listen to mine or you can follow along in the NIV that you've got with you. So Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. 
One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where, there, where it is deeper and let down your nets for a, to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon the boats, both boats were filled with so many fish that they were on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please forgive me, I am too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything. And follow Jesus. I love that last line. From now on you'll be fishing for people. It, it was on the basis of that experience that the disciples followed Jesus. That, that was what did it. Jesus set the tone for this high impact ministry that the disciples knew with this experience. So there are principles here about how people are brought into the kingdom. It's, it's like a metaphor or a parable. It's what it's like to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to bring people near to God. And he was true to his word. They spent the next three years going to a place intending to make a catch. Putting out into deeper waters if you like. They spent the next three years establishing a culture of freedom and grace, establishing an opportunity to speak. That's like readying the nets, getting ready, speaking the word of God and extending God's blessing over the people, casting the nets, and then gathering people into faith and discipleship, working as a team to bring them to shore. That was, that's a pretty good description of what the, their three years with Jesus was like. So what an amazing job to be offered and what an amazing way for a master to begin an apprenticeship he couldn't have introduced the opportunity he was offering them in a more eloquent way it's amazing well the fisherman's call to ministry begins in verse 4 it says when he had finished speaking he said to Simon now go out to where it is deeper and let down your nets for some fish We've got to be clear here. Jesus asked Peter to go out to where the fish are. Go out into deeper water. You can't bring in a miraculous catch of fish by spreading your nets on the shore and hoping fish will jump out of the water into the nets on their own. It just doesn't work that way. The church in this country has tried that method for a long time. Set up a church, spread it out, 
open the doors, and then hope that people would just walk in and ask, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> it sounds absurd, actually, doesn't it, when you, when you say it like that? But actually, that has been the main strategy um, for the church in the West for a very long time. And that's what many churches rely upon as far as people coming to faith. And that's what many of us as individuals rely upon. We rely upon people just spontaneously suddenly wanting to know more about Jesus and coming to find us to, to work out what the faith is all about. How many of us came from, who came from non-Christian backgrounds came to faith by spontaneously walking into a church and asking questions? Yeah. Anyone here come to faith that way? One. Okay, that's a good illustration. Jesus said and modelled a kind of pushing out, a community going into the deep water where the fish, where the people are, where we feel out of our depth and having to rely on the Holy Spirit out there. But there's real potential for a catch because we're out where the fish are. Sounds like a good description of the Totnes Christian Festival. We're out where, the, where people are, and we're way out of our depth. <laughs> we do feel like this is deep waters for us. When Jesus said this to Peter, what was his response? Let's read verse 5. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so. I'll let the nets down again. Peter was tired. Anybody feel a bit tired? Peter was tired. He was, he was a bit demoralised, I think, is what comes across. He didn't think their chances were very good at all. I'm catching anything. But Jesus already knew what was coming. He knew that the odds were with them. He had heaven's supernatural perspective on the situation. And all Peter had was a negative view. And actually our perspective is really important. If Jesus hadn't offered heaven's agenda for that moment, Peter would not have seen that catch. If Peter had allowed his perspective to dictate the activity, they and the village would have quietly gone hungry again. Instead, they finished the day with an enormous celebration because the Lord showed up and offered a new perspective and a grace to step into that perspective. So this is what the enemy does. He loves to offer us his version of reality. He loves to take God's truth and distort it enough to demoralise the church and prevent us from doing anything about our situation. This is something I've heard Bill Johnson talk about once. He says this. He says, the enemy is not creative. He's only corrupting. He creates distortion fields that are designed to make the problems we face look way bigger than the solutions we carry. That we may look at things from his perspective and say, it's impossible. There's nothing we can do to change our situation. And it's true. There is nothing new or innovative about the devil's activity. 
He uses lies to shut us down. He lies about our situation. He lies about God. He lies about who we are. He lies about what we carry. That's why God's perspective is so important. We need to, we need to really get hold of some truths, I think, about the reality of our situation as Christians in Tottenham from God's perspective. There is a reality in this town spiritually. This town is buzzing with spiritual hunger. It's a place of pilgrimage for those committed to alternative spirituality. That's true. Truth is that most places that offer spiritual life, alternative spiritual life, are oversubscribed. I did some research a few years ago and I spoke with uh, 15 of the leaders of spiritual communities of different kinds around Totnes and pretty much all of them were, were talking about having to turn people away because they just couldn't squeeze any more people into their programs, whatever it was. And that's including um, some of the retreat centres, some of the yoga centres, some of the um, health, alternative health treatments. It's busy. I spoke to, to one lady called Linda who runs the Barn Retreat Centre over in Sharpham. It's a um, loosely Buddhist uh, mindfulness retreat centre, really. Um, and it's a really interesting place. They, they have uh, about 12 people per week come to spend the week there. And they start with a bit of storytelling and sharing about who they are. And they uh, listen to one another. And then they go through the week. And partway through the week, it's, it's a, a silent day, so they do a bit of silent uh, reflection. And they eat together, and they work together, and they meditate together. Um, and there's all sorts of other things that, that is optional during the time. And at the end, they share their stories again about how important it has been, how some of the um, mindfulness teaching has, has been, how, what they've experienced in meditation, etc. And they've just been able to slow down. And uh, they, obviously they get a lot of people that say this was really helpful because I've, been, I've come at a very stressful situation and I've spent this time on the beautiful banks of the River Dart with some like-minded people eating, working, enjoying the time. So they turn people away every single week. It's, it's just every week of the year it's, it's oversubscribed. And people come from all over Europe to go to just down the, down the Dart, down the river, to the bar, Barn Retreat Centre. Um, I actually had a you know, real pleasant time just working out what goes on over there. Um, but that's powerful. That is a powerful uh, tool, if you like, for bringing people into an alternative lifestyle. Just imagine if 12 people every week came and immersed themselves in Christian life and culture to understand what the gospel is all about, to share their stories eat with us, live with us, work with us, share their stories at the end of it and then go out with a whole new perspective. Yeah. Twelve people every week. That's powerful, isn't it? Yeah. That's what this town is known for. That is true. When I asked these same um, leaders of retreat centres and spiritual uh, services, what their perspective on church was. I asked them several questions about the church, what they thought about the church. And without exception, they all said, we don't know. We, we, we couldn't comment because we don't know really a lot about the church or how the churches function. 
the, com the Christian communities are not particularly on the menu for anyone seeking alternative spiritual life here. There's a, a subtle disconnect between Christian and alternative seekers, even though the Christian communities are alive and well in this town. All of that is true. Do you want to hear the lie? The lie is that we can't speak to them and that can't change for the better. That's the lie. The lie is this is how the town is. And that we don't know how to effectively engage with non-Christians around us and we don't have what it takes to turn the situation at all. And that this is how the town will always be yeah. and it is the, the DNA of the town. That's the lie. The truth is, we carry, the, the solution that we carry is way bigger than the problem. What we carry is a solution to the unbelief and lostness of our community. God has given us this thing called the gospel. And it has enormous power to break even the hardest of hearts and to communicate in the language of people who have maybe been really helped and really impacted for good by a lot of the, what's on offer in Totnes. A lot of the mindfulness, a lot of the good nutrition, a lot of the good lifestyle balance stuff. You know, a lot of the global responsibility and eco-ethics. The, there's a lot of good stuff, really good stuff. Stuff that some, some of us need to catch up on. Um, But in amongst all of that, there is an estrangement from Jesus, who is the source of all life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the, the, the lover of every soul. He is the one that when you come to Jesus, it's like your soul has come home. And you think, goodness, how have I managed to spend all these years looking in all these other places to find life when life was here, uh, beckoning me to come home? And so it's a tremendous gift that we have to offer these sincerely seeking people. That is true. We have the heart of the Father that is forever ready to welcome people, no matter how far they've wandered from him. We have the wisdom and the presence of Jesus alive in our hearts, giving us instructions to go, where to go, how to go, how to cast our nets, who to work with, how to bring people in. We have the power of the Holy Spirit thrusting us out into the world with boldness to proclaim the word and testifying to people's hearts that what we are saying is true and has a personal impact for everybody regardless of what your history has been like or where you've been looking for life in other places. We've also been blessed with a beautiful variety in our churches. We've got a number of different styles of worship in the town. Different communities that will reach people in different ways and, and look after people's needs in different ways. Not everybody is going to be able to want to or be able to worship how we do. So we have other people that we can work with. We have all we need. The solutions we carry are way bigger and stronger than the problems we might encounter spiritually. And it's time we let the creative power of God recreate the perceptions of the town towards the faith and call people home. 
I believe that's, that's where we're at right now. So in total contrast to the enemy's lack of creativity and set ways, Jesus is constantly innovating and doing new things and creating moments for the kingdom and for breakthrough. When he acts outside the box in partnership with the Holy Spirit, the enemy doesn't really know what to do. He's sat on the back foot and he loses grip on situations. The field is left wide open to the grace of God. The creativity of heaven is a powerful weapon, I believe. The enemy didn't see this call to the disciples coming. He didn't see the feeding of the 5,000 coming either. He definitely didn't see the resurrection coming. God is the great innovator. And the enemy doesn't actually have an answer to God's innovations. It's, it's, it's the way you outwit the enemy every time. It's just to constantly allow the Holy Spirit to give you his new ideas, his new perspectives, his new agendas, and his new plans and purposes. The enemy has no part in those things. And in the end, he has to step aside. That's actually, just to throw this in, that's why prophets are so important. The prophetic clarifies the distorted realities with heaven's clear perspective. And through the prophetic, the Holy Spirit also gives us the creative ideas and the ways forward, the strategies, as he did, the Holy Spirit did with Jesus. We really need to be stirring up our prophetic gifts in the next few months, I believe. Let's have a look at verses 6 and 7. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Sometimes we need to get organised. We need to make sure we're equipped and ready. Because if God gathers the people in, we're going to struggle to know what to do with them, actually. Because they'll all be different. And they'll all need different things from the Lord. They'll all need different things from us. They will all need different kinds of hospitality. People are complicated. They're they're more complicated than fish. (laughs) (laughs) And we need to get organised. In this story, the nets were nearly breaking. They only just managed to cope. They needed skill and strategy to keep hold of the fish. They needed to work together to bring them right into land. I think we too need to get a bit organised. I think we need to prepare for an ingathering this summer. And we need to prepare by working together. That's something that really comes across strongly in these narratives. They had to work really hard, quickly. They had to get on it. They had to... To, to be spontaneous and to react quickly when they saw that there was a, a miracle had happened and, and God was on the move. Um, they had to work quickly, but they had to work very well together as well. They had to work. I think we're going to have to work together in prayer. I think that's what this next week is about. It's about laying that foundation of prayer for what God wants to do this summer. And prayer is hard work, isn't it? Yeah. It's almost like... Um, 
how Jesus found the disciples. They were washing their nets, they were mending their nets, they were doing the back, background stuff that makes it possible to catch fish. Well, this week we're going to be doing the background stuff that makes it possible for an ingathering for the kingdom. And that means getting ready. It means getting organised. It means making sure that we're equipped. It means making sure that, that we have covered all the bases and we are asking the Lord to do what only he can do. Because we can't get anybody saved, can we? All we can do is cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So this week it's about preparing us. It's about preparing the ground. It's about opening our ears to what the Father is doing. Because when Jesus saw what the Father was doing, he could do all sorts of things, couldn't he? He only did what he saw the Father doing. So that's what this week is about. It's about listening prayer as much as praying in situations. So we need to work together in prayer. We also need to work together practically. practically. Even if, like Peter, we're a bit tired, you're still recruited. We need to have a plan as to how we can hold on to those who find faith. And it might mean working with other churches. You know, in this story, they called to the other boats and said, we can't deal with all this. So we need help. Some, some of those fish are going to have to be brought back in your boat. Both boats were nearly sinking. Okay? So we're not territorial here. We're just trying to bring as many people into the kingdom as we can. Um, so we want to be encouraging other churches just to sell out for anyone that's coming to faith and just to personally uh, work with people to bring them through. There are a number of, of positive places of discipleship in this town. And so we want to be really um, passionate about working with them so that they can do what they're called to do and we can work together. I'd love to see this summer uh, all of our churches full of new believers that just want to know more and need looking after. Yeah. And we do it in the way that we know how. We'll do it in one way here, the Catholic Church will do it in another way there, uh, and the Anglican Churches will do it, and the Methodist Church will do it. Um, and they'll do it in their own way. And my, my prayer is, is that the Holy Spirit will lead people to the exact church where there's the exact people who will be able to give themselves up in the exact way or might share some of the similar history that will be able to speak in a way that is specific to their situation. And I don't care which denomination that is. It's just different ones of us are going to be more skilled at dealing with certain people. Or we're going to be able to create an environment where those people will, be, will feel safe and comfortable and be able to pursue God. It might mean... Being, getting ready might mean personally making time for those people that we personally bring along. It struck me the other day, well, a couple of months ago, if I'm honest, we're doing this event on the 2nd of July, which we're hoping is going to be a, a, a miraculous ingathering. We're praying for that. We might run Alpha. I think we're probably going to have to run Alpha. We'll probably run Alpha on a bigger scale, like we've done in the past. That's, that's the prayer. And we'll maybe use some of the, the new material that Alpha are putting out there. They've, they've redesigned Alpha, so we're going to use some of that. Um, and we may launch a bigger Alpha course here on a Wednesday night, probably. That's tradition. But there's a long time between the 1st of October and the 1st of July. There's three months there where people can fall through the net. So people could be really impacted by the, the power and the love of God or get healed on Bear Island on the 2nd of July or hear the gospel preached or pick up a little 
encouragement card from one of our young people that speaks to their hearts and they give their life to Jesus and then drift off over that three months and never really come to faith. You know, they might have an encounter but then wander off. And it's almost like that, that parable of the sower where the seed falls on, on the path and gets snatched up. Or, or people get, have a quick, excited reaction to coming to faith and then all of a sudden a bit of persecution comes and they wither and die. We don't want any of that. We want to be really skilled at bringing people right from the place of decision and encounter with Jesus right through into a whole new life. Not just a taste of Jesus, but to, to, to have the whole fullness of what, it, what salvation means. So in that three months, are you going to commit to that person that you'd brought along that may have had an encounter on that day to do a bit of one-to-one discipleship, to continue to encourage them? Maybe you could think about setting up a, just a little early, early discipleship group. Maybe a few of us could get together with our friends and start opening the scriptures together, start looking at some, some DVDs or, or, or praying into some things or doing some prayer experiments. We're going to have to sell out for the people that we bring in. Because if we're not willing to do the long haul and to, to not just catch people in the nets, but actually to bring them in and work hard to bring them right into faith and right into the kingdom, then we'll lose them on the way in. And I, I think that's something to prepare for. That's something to already resign ourselves to. There's something about... Um, the fishing analogy that sounds almost a bit, a bit spooky. Like we're trying to catch people. <laughs> like, like the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Lollipops. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone else have nightmares about that? Yes. <laughs> no, it's not like that. Thankfully it's not like that. <laughs> this is good news. <laughs> We need to do whatever it takes. And we need to be prepared to innovate with God. Matthew 8 and chapters 8 and 9 is a flurry of new activity in the ministry of Jesus. It's worth just reading just those two chapters this week. Matthew 8 and 9, we're not going to read it all now. Um, but loads of things that Jesus had never done before come into Jesus' ministry. So, a centurion having great faith, that has never been seen before. The wind and the waves were stilled with just a word. That had never been seen before. Jesus' uh, sins being forgiven by a man, a paralysed man, and him jumping to his feet. That had never been seen before. A tax collector becoming a student of an eminent rabbi. That had never been seen before. All of these things were out of the box. They weren't part of the normal routine. Something different was happening. God was doing a new thing. Aslan was on the move. Yes. Yes. It's an exciting couple of chapters. And it ruffled the feathers of the religious life of the community. And both the Pharisees and his closest followers started asking some difficult questions, trying to work out what was going on. And in Matthew 9 from verse 14, and you can see it here also in Luke 5, um, from verse 33, Jesus is causing a row with all, all his innovation because there's this constant innovation going on. Jesus said a couple of things. 
in response to the question, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? And why are you not fasting at the moment? What's different about this time that would cause a change in the way we do things? And Jesus said these things in response to the questions. He says, firstly, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. That's Matthew 9 and verse 12. He said, I came for them. I came for the people who were not considered part of the in crowd and the religious community. I came for them. I want to be where they are, not creating religious separation from them. I want to engage with those who need God most. That was his first response. In response to the fasting question, he basically said, now is not the time for that. We need to do what is appropriate for the moment that we are in. It's especially good in the NSB. That's Matthew 9, verse 15. So in a nutshell, I believe that's what Jesus is saying to us this morning. We need to go to where those people are that need God the most. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. We can't stay on the beach and expect a miraculous catch. We have to go and push out into the deep waters. And we have to be willing to innovate. We have to be at our most creative at the moment. I really believe we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to be allowing all our creative juices to be flowing at the moment. And I think, because we're doing everything for the first time with this festival, but there's, there's going to be other things. It's not just one day. There'll be all sorts of points along the way and all sorts of point, points afterwards where God is going to ask each of us to do things in a new way and to step out of our normal routine and to, to, to do whatever he's calling us to do for the gospel. I really believe it, we need to be open to things, even if it seems absurd to us, or we're tired, or we can't be bothered, or reason says that it's not going to make any difference anyway. Because that's where Peter was. I believe we need heaven's perspective because it motivates us to do what Jesus wants to do in the moment. So it's time to do what is appropriate for the moment that we are in. It's time to be brutal about removing religious separation, the them and us kind of feelings between the churches and also between the church and the community. I think it's really important that none of us has a shred of superiority or self-righteousness at all. It's time to push out into deeper waters spiritually. I believe that's what's going to be beginning to happen this week. It's time to cooperate with one another and become brilliant team workers. You up for that? Yeah. It's time to innovate for the kingdom in ways that the enemy cannot answer because he just doesn't see it coming. And it's time to prepare the nets ready for a miraculous catch. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, this is a word that you've laid upon my heart. And it, it is just that. Lord, I just, I've wanted to try and speak it as closely to how I feel I've received it. And not embellish it, and not 
might put too much of my own thoughts in with it, but just to try and deliver the message. I want to be like a delivery boy today, Lord, with a message from your heart. Lord, I want to thank you so much for this call to creativity yeah. and to innovation. Lord, I want to be part of the most creative community on the planet. <clears throat> Lord, it's so sad when we get too locked in our traditions. We get too locked in the way we do things and the way that we think and the way that things happen and the way that we can expect things. Yeah. We get too locked into the status quo so that we can't do the things that are out of the box for the kingdom. Lord, we don't want to be like that. Lord, I believe that you're leading this church in ways that we've never been before. And you always will be, because that's how you lead us. Lord, this story of the miraculous catch, Lord, it set the tone for disciples' ministry. Lord, I pray that it would set the tone for our ministry. Lord, that we would get that balance right. Lord, of, of listening to your command, of overcoming our arguments, doing what you say. Lord, I pray that we would know the joy of that surprise when you, you move in great power and you, you exceed our expe expectations. And Lord, make us swift to act, make us skilled at partnering with you in the moment to do what is on your heart to do. And I pray there would be a joy to work with people. I pray that we would discover one another in fresh ways and have that, that same sense of celebration. I don't know what it felt like when they hauled all those fish into the port and they started emptying the boat and those fish just kept coming and coming and coming and the boats got lighter in the water as they offloaded their catch. I don't know who lit the fire first and started the music started the singing, but I just sensed there would have been tremendous celebration because yeah. the town would have been wealthier from that moment. It was time to celebrate. Lord, I just pray that we would be so in tune with heaven that we would know when it is time to work and when it is time to celebrate. Amen. Lord Jesus, help us to do our part so that we can be ready for when you do your part. Lord, we bless you for all that you have in store. We say yes to every plan and purpose that you have. Yes. Lord, we, we thank you for this opportunity you've given us to partner with you. And we pray that this summer we would see a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. Yes, and many people would come to faith in Christ. And this town would know in a fresh way that there is a God in heaven that is alive who is characterised by love and who knows them by name. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're going to, just going to spend a little while now worshipping, just open to the Lord. And I want to encourage each of you just to think, what preparations do you need to make? What, what is it, what's important to you? What, what is it that you need that you don't have? Is it boldness is it courage is it time to be able to give to friends that that may be seeking over the next few months we know that god has has put his hand on many people's hearts and that there are many people in this city 
as it says in our verse for the year, that is warm to the faith. There are people in your vicinity that will be asking questions around you. What do you need in order to serve them and to help them to come right through to faith? So in, in this next time of worship, I just want to encourage you just to be asking that question. And if you need some prayer about anything, it might be that there's a situation in your life that is unresolved. And until that gets resolved, you can't really think about anything else or partnering with the Lord in any way. In which case, let's pray. Let's get that thing shifted out of the way so that you can be part of the team. So if, you, if you'd like prayer for anything, there'll be a few people to buy the spiral staircases to pray. Um, but let's worship the Lord and just allow him to continue to speak to us as we prepare for this summer.